Big idea today. Can we jump in? Uh, be a blessing to your neighbor. Could it be any more simple than that? Be a blessing to your neighbor. We are presented with daily opportunities to serve those around us, to bless our neighbors. And we've been speaking to this for the past few weeks. Repetition is the mother of learning, right? And so we've been speaking to this and focusing on this. Why? Because Jesus both taught it and the disciples then echoed it. And I want to look here at a couple ways the disciples communicated being a good neighbor. Romans 13.10 says, Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Maybe you've been tempted to do harm to your neighbor before. Isn't that a funny passage? It's like, well, I would never harm my neighbor. Did you let your dog out without a leash? Did they go to the neighbor's yard? I'm speaking this because it's my yard that gets this on it, right? But, you know, was there something on your lawn that should not have been there? Or did you let something be on someone else? You know, it's like you don't picture, you picture harm like, bam, I hate you. But it could be like uh, you drained your pool and killed your neighbor's grass and didn't confess. Or whatever, right? It's that did you do harm to your neighbor? Well, that's approached in Scripture. We shouldn't do that. That'd be bad. Uh, Galatians 5.14 says it this way. The whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's pretty simple. And, and they kept echoing this and, and demonstrating what this looked like to love, to do good to your neighbor. So how are you doing at this command? Do do a personal inventory. Not how are we doing open life. How are you doing individual you? And loving your neighbor as yourself. We have a simple process that we think should be kind of memorable for you to be able to jog like some actionable uh, application to this challenge to neighbor. And uh, it's not just one action point today. Usually we have like one action that you could put into practice this week. We have five actions. Every thought, every letter is an action. And the first one is simple. The B there in the word bless is begin with prayer. Begin with prayer. Jeremiah 29, 7, we read it last week. Let me read it again. It says this, work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. For if its welfare will determine your welfare. There's no, or there is a reason, uh, ultimately, that we have this goal this year that every one of you would be able to pray for your neighbor by name and need. Like that's, if 2017 worked out as we pray for it to work out, and as we came into 2017 praying as a team, for 2017, we said, man, may everybody who calls Open Life Church their family, their church home, if they could pray for their neighbors on a consistent basis by name and need, we would be making a difference in our community in a very powerful way. <laughs> Prayer opens our heart to serve. Have you noticed that if you pray good on somebody, 
And if you pray blessings on someone, and if you, you pray for the best for someone, you can't dislike them. It's like impossible. Because your heart's stirred to like, if you're even your enemies, maybe that's why God challenges us to pray for our enemies. is because it's like, oh, wait, I stopped hating them. They're no longer my enemy. What is this? You love those you pray for, and even your enemies. Prayer gives you eyes that see. Eyes that see God's heart for others and their potential and their value. I would challenge you in two different ways, ultimately, in prayer this week. Um, Pray for your heart, number one. Pray that God would open your heart for those in your community, in your, like, literal neighborhood right around you. That you would begin to be moved in compassion for them, that you would have eyes that would see the opportunities that God is, is opening up to you, that you would uh, be finding ways to serve your neighbor because you would notice it. You would be able to take that in, to sense and feel the needs that might exist, that you would be broken if your neighbors are broken. That's the heart of God. I, I knew a guy that would come and speak for us when I was a youth pastor, and he would open his arms, and he would pray a prayer. Give me a love for this community, God. Let me feel what you feel for the people that are here. And I was like, let me feel what you feel. Man, that's a good prayer for us to pray for our neighbors. Let me feel what you feel, Jesus. Let me be inspired by what inspires you. I think that'll change your heart. That'll open your heart, even if you have one of those neighbors. Then pray for your neighbors. But I think, don't we get it wrong all the time? Don't we do this? You know, we talked about the circle and the realm of marriage, that you're responsible for what's inside the circle. If you drew a circle in the sand, arrows are pointing in. We can make a difference right here. And if we make a difference here, it'll make a difference arrows out. Well, it's that way in prayer too. Pray first for your heart. Then pray for your neighbors. 2 Timothy 2, 23 Says this again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach, be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap, for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. Prayer is powerful. Prayer opens others' hearts as well as ours. And maybe, just maybe, if you could begin to pray for your neighbors, that their hearts would be softened and open to the things of God, and that's not necessarily how you're serving them. You're not an evangelist to convert them to a message. You're just sent as one who could serve and love. <clears throat> if you could take that initiative, begin to serve and by praying for your neighbor, who knows what God would do with their heart. It could be powerful. So you pray for you, pray for your neighbor. And here's how it becomes powerful, right? I already said it. The second letter today, the L, is learn their name. 
this is not just a spiritual thing. It's very natural, but Jesus demonstrated this. Luke 19, 5, he's out going from town to town with his disciples, and people are hearing stories about what Jesus is doing, and even those that are the worst of sinners, as would be referenced to them in Scripture. One dude who was a tax collector. Come on, we're coming upon that season, right? We're filling out that paperwork, if you haven't already, like me. You... Um, you know, you're getting there to where you're going to have to fill out all the numbers and send it in and tell the truth. And, you know, you get to this moment where uh, this tax collector was crooked and he was taking from people what didn't belong to them as the tax collectors of this day did. No tax collectors are like that today. They only take... Anyway, so I uh, get myself in trouble. HR is going to call me now. But uh, so... You know, you look at this moment in Scripture, and Jesus does this when this tax collector hears about Jesus and decides to just go all out to see Jesus. When Jesus came by, verse 5 of Luke 19, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Jesus didn't say, dude, sup, right? He, he didn't just say, uh, dude in the tree. Yeah, you, crooked dude. He didn't call him out for his sin right then. He didn't say, if I'm going to come to your house, confess your sins right now, get out of that tree, right in the middle of that crowd, let them beat you like you deserve to be beaten, and then I'll come to your house. Because we don't serve a condemner, we serve a savior. That's not the heart of God. He just said the most powerful words that could be said to somebody in a moment where they were open, inquisitive, searching. Their name, Zacchaeus. Jesus called Zacchaeus by name. The crowds have to have been going, how does he know his name? What was that? But he called him by name. When we were promoting at the beginning of the year, um, neighboring for the first time, at the end of the series, we handed out a fill-in sheet on the back of uh, your fill-in notes where you could write your neighbor's names, just a, a blank worksheet, if you will, with the houses of the, uh, like in the logo that we have for the different series. And, and uh, we challenge you to neighbor the eight, because if you're in a traditional suburb, you know, you've, you've got like eight houses right around you. You're the middle house. And uh, some of us don't have eight houses. We have seven. We have a park in the corner. Some of you have roads that separate you. Some of you have alleys. Some of you have fields and acreage. But you pretty much have neighbors. Um, and so it's figuring out this neighboring eight initiative, if you will. We, we wanted to challenge you to know your neighbor by name. Pray for them by name. And I don't know if it's challenged you like it's challenged me, but... Like, I have a stronger longing to actually know 
them by name. Not, and, and I cheat. Cheating's okay. You know, I can go on Facebook or next door and try to figure it out, stalk them. Uh, but, you know, just trying to help myself figure out, like, what is their name? Because that name is so mission critical to them. Like, that, that changes their spirit if I would know their name. Psychologists say that the name is the core thing that we could hear that validates our identity. It's that thing that we hear that triggers something inside of us mentally, physically. Things fire off when we hear our name. The sweetest sound in the world is our name. And if we could learn someone's name, say hi to them by name. So the worst thing that you could do as an open lifer with this challenge of neighboring is to ever utter these words when someone introduces themselves to you and they go, hi, my name is Thad. And they extend their hand and they shake it. Oh, thanks. You know, my name's Brenna. Oh, nice to meet you, Brenna. And, and Brenna would say, yeah, I'm horrible with names. I hope I remember yours. Don't confess that you're horrible with names. Don't speak that into being. We must become good with names. It needs to be like a driver for us. And there's lots of ways to cheat, so I'm going to give you a few. Uh, these are written down if you're following on your app or your, your phone online. Uh, these are already there, but you could jot some notes on this. But I, I, I went and did a little research to help you figure out some ways to remember names so that you never say again, I'm horrible with names. But you could just thank them for sharing their name with you because that's the most precious thing they could ever give you because it's their identity and it's their validator. So the first thing you can do is ask again. Isn't that the hardest, though? Like if somebody shares their name, what was that again? Because you don't want to get it wrong. Did you say Brina? Uh, no, I said Brenna. Ah, uh, Brenna? You know, I don't know. Um, if you have an issue with pronunciating names, uh, you know, but the, just the reality of getting their name right, feel free to ask again. And, and it's okay if you're like one-on-one -on -one and they're sharing it with you the first time. Here's where it gets awkward, right? Is when it's like a week later or a month later and your neighbor's back out and they say, hey, Thad. And you're like, neighbor, dude, sunny, car, tires. You know, if you're here last week, you'll get that. But anyway, the, uh, you know, it's that moment where you just don't remember anything and uh, you feel horrible because they knew your name. It's kind of like when you get a Christmas card from a family you didn't send Christmas cards to, and now you're like, do I send them one? Or will they know? It's a because they sent me one card, right? And so you go through that mental torture. Well, it's that same moment, but with names. We do that. And I would rather personally mess someone's name up than not try a name. So I'll totally do that. I'll just like, Brianna. Sorry, Brenna, I'm picking on you today because you're right there. Uh, so it's like, uh, you know, no, it was Brenna. Oh, I knew the BR was in there, right? I mean, that's at least progress. 
when I was a youth pastor, I used to tell kids, and they would torture you with this, so don't do this, it's mean. But I would say, uh, man, next time I'm going to remember your name or I'll give you 10 bucks. And now that would motivate me to learn their name. Now it's on me, right? It's important. Uh, and so uh, it, became, it, it raised the bar, but then they would come to me at a weird moment and go, what's my name right now? Three, two, one. You're like, shoot. I never carry cash for that very reason. Um, they're like, well, you can like do it digitally now, man. Um, the challenge here is it's okay to ask again. And sometimes if you feel really uncomfortable with it, enlist helpers to ask again. You know, have one of your kids with you or, or, or have uh, someone outside and they're outside and you like give them the help me with their name code. You know, whatever you come up with that's like, I forgot their name, introduce yourself and hopefully they give it to you. I've tried everything. It's embarrassing. Uh, but ask again. The second thing, repeat it. Repeat it. You know, you, you always want to be first. Leaders are always first introducing themselves. That's something I was taught forever ago. And uh, so I would just, you know, Thad. You know, hey, my name's Thad. What's yours? You know, and you kind of extend your name. And uh, when they give it to you, then you repeat it back. Right? Isn't that what you're supposed to do? Just repeat it. And in that way, you'll help yourself remember some would say if they have a common name, you should extend it. What does that mean? That like in the repeated process, if they're like Jim, and you're like, I know 50 Jims. Which Jim is this? If they're like, well, Jim Williams. Oh, Jim. In your mind, you're saying Jim Williams, and it'll help you remember Jim. Just giving you some. These are great practical tools today. Um, write it. Number three, and this is where that neighboring map that we gave you came in. And if you want that, you can go to the, one of the, the latest blogs that we posted or openlife.church slash neighboring. And uh, it will download. You can, you can right there click the neighboring map and download it so you can start to write your neighbor's names down. It's that easy, right? I've been in homes that have like a chalkboard where they're trying to learn their neighbor's names when they first move in or whatever works for you. But write their name down so you don't forget it. So that when you see them outside, your cheat sheet's right there and you can exit the garage or whatever. And uh, just, if you do that, it'll help. Use it. If you use their name. Now, don't overuse it, but use it. Because it'll help you remember it. If when you're referring to that neighbor, actually use their name. If you use their name, now... Interesting, I'm going to let you in on a moment for me that is interesting because I have quirks, lots of them. This is one. Um, have you ever heard somebody pray and use God's name too much? Have you, have you been in those moments where, now I'm not judging anybody's prayer. It's good to start praying, but maybe they've been following Jesus and talking to God for quite a long time in their life and and, uh, you know, the Bible teaches us that we should pray to God in Jesus' name. You know, there's passages like, it's not in your notes, but John 16, 23 says, I tell you the truth, you ask the Father directly and he will grant your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name and you will receive whatever you ask with abundant joy. 
And so you have this challenge to pray to God in Jesus' name. And so you'll hear somebody praying, God, Jesus, Jesus, God, God, baby, Jesus, holy, holy, Jesus, Jesus, God. That's like an auctioneer, you know, God, God, Jesus, God, 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 Jesus, Jesus. And they're praying and you're like, uh, do they, have they spoke with this guy before? God, this is Jesus, you know, and, and it's. Because wouldn't it be interesting if you were just like, you know, Sam, I, Sam, want to, Sam, have a con- Sam, conversation with you, Sam. Sam, uh, I, Sam, wanted, Sam, Sam, I was wondering, Sam, how's college, Sam, how's college, Sam, is it, Sam, is it good, Sam? You know, and so when we pray that way, it's a little weird. I've always thought that. And, uh, but we do that with people too. If you're overly repeating their name to remember it, it'll get really awkward, Right? And uh, so just use it maybe to yourself at first, but use their name. And then finally, use it in prayer. You know, pray. Pray for them by name because that will give context when you start to discover their needs. Maybe they're going something through something and you could pray for that specific thing in their life. This is where intentionality becomes incredibly powerful. Third letter is E. Engage in conversation. Now for introverts, this is the like, uh, right? Extroverts are like, cool, I get to, yeah, let's talk, man. John 5 records a pretty interesting interaction by Jesus. It says this, afterward Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the sheep gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, lay on porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years when Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time. He asked him, would you like to get well? Uh, Are you a captain? Because I think you're Captain Obvious right now, right? It's that moment where I'm here with all the other lame and sick and paralyzed people. Would I like to get well? Um, Yeah, right? Because that could have been a really awkward, dumb conversation there. Uh, And he said, "I, I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets in there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up. Pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. I would say that was an awkward conversation starter. So, want to get well? Right? We don't always know what to say. Now, Jesus was stirring on a pretty important desire in the guy's life and trying to get past the awkwardness to what his need was, but find even the obvious to talk about. Car, huh? Wash it often? Awesome. Cool. Okay, we'll talk later, dude. Right? Whatever it is that that works for you, except you know their name by now, right? You shouldn't say dude, but just the reality of being able to engage in conversation as obvious or as awkward as it is at first is going to be a win. The first S on bless is seek to be intentional. Yeah, that was a stretch, but it worked to get an S in there. What can you do to intentionally love your neighbor? 
This begins, this is the planning. This is the prayer. God, give me opportunity. This is the, what can you do that your neighbor would know wasn't an accident or a mistake, but that you're motivated by something bigger than yourself? Jesus was intentional with that lame man. As awkward as the conversation began, he asked if he wanted to get well, and he was intentional about healing someone who had no one there to help him. Jesus was his only help. He was intentional. Find out if they need help. I mean, obviously, we're not in the season of raking leaves. Maybe pressure washing, which is a long, tedious task if you've ever done that to your driveway. It's like, why am I soaking myself for 14 hours? It's like boredom to its max. But what would happen if you went past the property line on the sidewalk and helped out with some of your neighbors as well? It's little things. Little things. Um, you have eyes open and see that maybe somebody's having a tough season in their life and they haven't been able to keep their lawn up and, and you offer to help. Uh, maybe there's weeds to be pulled or uh, somebody to walk home from school or the bus and their parent just couldn't quite get through traffic in time. You know, there's those type of issues that you can help. Last year, uh, we restained our fence and the back had a bunch of rotten boards on it and stuff and, and I just switched them out. I just I didn't go to the neighbor and say, you know, this this fence is kind of half ours. So um, I'd cut, here's the receipt. I split it in half. Could I please have some money from you? Um, I just said, I'm going to swap these boards out. I'm going to stain it. Blessing to both the neighbor and us. And called it good. Well, months later, the neighbor, which I have a great neighbor, uh, was like, hey, I'm going to sure up this fence because it's kind of fallen over. And so, you know, we were out there pushing and tugging and working together. And it was like good neighbor vibe. But it's just by, it was a need. It was a need for us, but it was a need for the neighbor too. So you just look at how can you intervene in something really simple and obvious that'll be a blessing to everyone. And final S, probably an incredibly important one, share your stories. Romans 10, 14 says, how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him. How can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? The reality here is your story helps people experience Jesus. Your story doesn't have to be a home run. Your story can be simply that you took a swing at it and it just crashed and burned. And that will encourage people around you because they don't always have to hear the, like, what an amazing neighboring story. You helped them and the whole family gave their life to Jesus. Their extended family gave their life to Jesus. You used their pool and baptized 50 of them. They came, you know, were filled with the Spirit, launched another campus in another city. It's beautiful, right? No, that's not necessarily the story that will motivate people. It's the guy who tries to learn his neighbor's name and, and then forgets that he was parked too close to his driveway and backs up and knocks his bumper off. And you're like, neighboring fail, right? But you met your neighbor. 
you got lots of information when you exchanged insurance with them. No, don't use that strategy. That'd be bad. Hey, I'm going to wreck my neighbor's car for Jesus. You got to be careful because you don't want to prostitute your neighbor. I said that word. It's okay. It's church. You can say that every once in a while. But when you share your stories of what's happening in your life, what's happening in your neighbor's lives, sometimes you can overshare and like, it's like, well, I'm in a neighbor so that I have a story to share. And uh, maybe your neighbor reads that online or hears that this thing they thought was really genuine um, was, but now is being shared and they kind of feel like they were used. You gotta be wise in sharing your story. So use wisdom, but realize your story can inspire somebody else, no matter how simple it is. You've got a story when you're neighboring. And when you share your story, something amazing happens accountability-wise too. Because now people get to hear it, and whether we ever share it here or whether it's just in between you and us and we're celebrating with you, uh, we've got a space for that online. You just go to openlife.church slash your story and you can do it or you can do it on your app. But just the reality is if you share your story, it does allow us then to say, hey, How's that one neighbor you interacted like this with? And there's accountability. That is healthy. Because we don't want to just bless our neighbor once and then hide. I know their name now. I'm going to stick with prayer. Get to know their life. We loved you so much that we are delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well as the verse that founded this church. That's what we're talking about. Being incredible, important members of this community by simply neighboring. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for opportunities for you to neighbor well. Oh, you already have music back there. That's awesome. Um, and I, I want to just give you a window of inspiration for God to kind of speak to you as the worship team comes out and leads a song. I want you to ask yourself, Like, where am I at in this? How am I doing it being a blessing? How can I activate these principles and and begin to bless my neighbor? God, I thank you that you've given me a passion to bless. That you've given me a passion to be really a hospitable neighbor, if you would. And the difference it's made in our neighborhood. But you have so much potential to serve and bless those that are right next to us. I pray that God, you will give us divine wisdom and insight, everyone in this room, of how we can be a better neighbor, how we can neighbor well. Help us to learn the names of those that live next to us. Like, help us to not just do it as an obedience or a project, but like, really be motivated. Because we understand that that's, we want everybody to feel validated as a human. And what a better people to do that than the followers of Jesus that are in this room. Christians sometimes get a weird rap in this world of being judgmental, looking down on others. That's not your heart. 
you never did that. You went into every situation to, for the good of the individual you were confronting, you were loving, you were serving. So let us do the same. Let us be validators of those around us. Learn their name, learn what's going on in their world, how we can pray for them, how we can bless them. God, if there's someone in this room that is just kicking the tires of Jesus, of the faith, they're trying to figure out who's this guy church claims as the son of God and why are we talking about him being for us? God, I pray that they would experience what that is, that they could unpack that personally. As we look to Easter just a few weeks out, I pray that you would make alive in them the reality that God, you sent your son to take all the wrong we're constantly stumbling into, to take it off of our shoulders and onto yours. You went to a cross for us. You rose from the grave three days later so that we could have life and life more abundantly now here and eternal life with you. And so God, I pray that you will open up hearts to pursue you, Jesus. That some will come to that moment where they say, I'm gonna be a follower of Jesus. I'm gonna confess that Jesus is Lord and learn what it is to grow in a relationship with him. Cross the line of faith, if you will. God, if that's somebody's need today, may they just simply invite you into their life in prayer and be transformed beyond their imagination. Leave from here a new person in you. We just invite you into our life, God. Help us to have a new week. Thank you that my voice lasted. And uh, we pray, God, that you would allow the rest of this day to be amazing. Let us consider now how we could apply this challenge as the worship team sings. Amen.